Needless to say, 2020 has been a difficult year for all of us. So this week, heading into the holiday weekend, I thought we'd have a little fun. Our guest is Bob Long, a CFO and a CPA who resides in Canton, Ohio. In his spare time, Bob is going to tell us about a side gig where he has followers all around the globe. That's coming up next on CFO Bookshelf. This is Mark Gandy, the founder of G3 CFO, free agent CFO, and now the semi-professional no-name CFO who's a co-host of CFO Bookshelf with my partner, who is incredibly awesome, amazing, the practice link CFO, Bruce Reed. How was that? That was great, Mark. Um, and, you know, I've, I, couldn't, uh, I, couldn't say, uh, I couldn't say better um, I couldn't say better about uh, about you. Those are the same accolades in the same way I feel about uh, our partnership and and what you're all about. When you think of Thanksgiving, <laughs> what do you, what what comes to mind? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm debating between the, the the deep answer and the shallow answer. You're thinking. What's um, he thinking of? What's the answer he really wants? Well. Um, I, I do wonder that, but that's, I, I've given up trying to, to telegraph these things. So, you know, <clears throat> I, I guess one of the, one of the biggest things I think of is, I mean, for, for us, that's, that's my, that, that's my wife's and my holiday, um, there. And so I'm, what I think of is the, the little personal traditions that she and I share, which actually, because of some different things we won't be doing this year, um, but those are, I'd say that the, you know, our household's traditions by and large revolve around, uh, revolve around Thanksgiving. I also think about, uh, it was, it was always, it was always a nice homecoming of, you know, once you in college, coming home from college and, and reuniting with some friends you hadn't seen for a while. Um, you know, once getting out of college in the work world, uh, same thing. So it's, um, you know, nice, Nice times with great people is is the probably the biggest thing, um, and in football. Football, I can't <laughs> believe you brought up football. Oh my goodness! I, well, I told you I didn't want to. I, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to go shallow or I wanted to go go deep. So I thought we could lighten it up a little bit. Now we may oh, I, we may isolate maybe ninety percent of the audience, but it just happens to be the guest this week is also a CFO, and we'll get to Bob long in just a minute. So the topic is this week, fantasy football. Oh, wow. So I did go there. So did you wonder if I was ever going to, if I was ever going to get around to that? I want to know the percentage, the percentage of senior managers who join a league with their coworkers, the percentage of senior managers who join a league with their coworkers. Want to take a guess at what that percentage is? Oh, with coworkers, senior leaders. You think it's over 50%? I was going to say 63. 21%. Still, okay. Still a big number. Uh, the, it is a big number. The average amount people pay to enter their fantasy football league is? 250 $63. Oh, see, I was right the first time. I'm just one off. Uh, the, the percentage, one more, the percentage of people interested in joining a fantasy football league are at or above a senior management level. So what we're looking at is what percentage of people who want to play are, say, like at your level and above. 
81%. You know, that, that, that's an interesting percent. It's 27%. So I am nailing it. I am nailing it. <laughs> so it just goes, just, that, that's why. So unfortunately we may be isolating our, our audience. One, one last question. And I, this won't be a question. Uh, the last stats, the last stat that I can find is about 60 million people play fantasy football across the U S and that also includes Canada, 60 million people. I mean, it's, it is a, I want to say, check my facts. It's at least a $2 billion industry globally. Our guest this week is Bob Long, and we will just go ahead and get the conversation started because the first question, uh, Bruce, I asked him was, what was his decision to even become an accountant? It was my father. Um, you know, the typical, you're 12 years old, you're in whatever, seventh, eighth grade, you've got to make a career choice. What are you going to be when you grow up? I, my my goal was either to be a teacher, a radio disc jockey, you know, something fun. You know, I was just like, you know. That's cool. And, uh, you know, so I sat down with my dad. I'm like, all right, so here we go. I either want to be a teacher or I want to be a radio disc jockey. He goes, that doesn't make any money. That doesn't make any money you're really good at math. You should be an accountant. Cause I have an accountant that I golf with and he makes a lot of money and he, and so you good at math. So you might as well just do that. That was all it took. I was like, Hey, make money and it's math. Yeah. I'm in now granted, you know, I got to college, found that was a little more difficult than that, but, um, but yeah, that was literally the decision I and took. Uh, they had a bookkeeping class in high school, smoked it like one Oh two average or something. 102% average of edges. Like, this is it. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm going to kill this thing. You know, then like I said, college kind of smacked me back down a little bit, but, um, but you know, it, it's worked out certainly. Even though you worked in public accounting, one thing I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, when I went to school, the push was public, public, public Mm -hmm. accounting. It's almost like you weren't given a choice. I mean, all of our teachers, the division head, again, public accounting, but you're one of the success stories where your background is very CFO centric, but it's not like you spent years and years and years in public accounting. So I was impressed with that. Was that by design? I didn't have the grades, strong enough grades, uh, a little bit too much partying at college. So I didn't have the grades to get the interview with the big eight at the time. But you had a personality. But I had the personality. And, you know, that was what everybody told me, Bob, if your GPA was X, you'd be in in a heartbeat. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. So I started at a retail uh, company doing internal audits, which was fun for about a year and a half. Um, And then they were sold to a company, uh, another company in in Virginia, and we were going to move. So at that time, I moved back to Canton, and um, they had an Ernst & Young Canton office. And one of the, my friends from college worked there, and she said, hey, you would have to start like a, a, a new hire, but I can get you in. AKA, so they me. A, AKA grunt. Yeah, which is fine. I'm like, I don't care, you know, because I knew how important it was to, uh, you know, yeah, to, to you know, get in the door, especially at a firm like ENY. So, so I did that. Um, it all worked out great. I was there for a couple of years, three or four years, whatever, did everything like most. Uh, that's where I ended up meeting my now wife for 33 years. So, that all worked out perfect. I, and, uh, you know, and then I jumped out when I started to have kids because I saw 
that scenario. And again, I, nothing against anybody out there who may partner and work their ass off, but you know, I saw it's long hours. You know, yeah. And I just said, I can't do that. I just can't. So I didn't. And so I went into, you know, um, the, the, the private world for a while did various things from banking to construction to manufacturing. And then um, actually went back into public accounting when my kids got older and did that for a few years and then have now jumped back into the CFO role. And, and I'll probably stay there. I don't think I'll ever go back to public, but you know, it's good experience on both sides. I learned a lot from both definitely two different worlds, but uh, certainly a lot of fun. And again, you know, people are like, Oh, accounting is boring. I'm like, yeah, it's not super exciting, but you know, it pays the bills. So <laughs> I have no idea what the green room equivalent is for podcasting, but I'm just going to say in our, in our green room conversation, right. you'd mentioned that you'd brought in six figures of income because of our topic today, fantasy football. So I, I, we'll, we're going to hit that in a minute. So speaking of fantasy football, when did you discover fantasy football? 1985. My friend comes home from a bookstore, an actual bookstore, with a little book, little pamphlet type book called uh, Playing Fantasy Football by a gentleman named Chris Sharpentair. He had already read it. He gave it to me, told me to read it and said, what do you think? What do you, should we do this? And I'm like, yeah, sounds like fun. What, what was the time frame, Bob? Roughly. 1985. 1985. Boy, so that's, that's like, in the beginning. Near the yeah. Beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it was not a big deal at that point. You know, it was a, it was long before it was cool. That's for sure. Because I worked at ENY, I was the only one that even had access to an actual personal computer with Lotus 123, not Excel, um, to do a spreadsheet every week of the scores, the rosters, that kind of stuff. So every week, I would get the USA Today papers. I would, you know, calculate the scores. We did touchdown only because, you know, we didn't want to get too complicated. And then every Sunday I came home from church at noon and I had, you know, 23 messages on my phone of everybody's rosters for the week. And so on, on Wednesdays, I would calculate, print, and mail them with stamps in an envelope. Oh, my so God. Friday. And I did that until Yahoo created online scoring and, and online league management. So probably five or six years before, you know, it got to be a lot easier. <laughs> um, so yeah, and that's where it all started. Um, you know, in, in the just playing fantasy football. I was gonna say my first introduction, not to fantasy football, but to fantasy sports was at a CPA firm in Gladry and Poland in Cedar Rapids. One of the partners came up to me and said, Mark, do you want to play rotisserie? That's how old I am. Do you want to play yeah. rotisserie baseball? Well, by the way, that was not a question. <laughs> that was, you will be my, and you will write me a check for $185 to cover half the, <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> I did, I did fancy baseball too. I've done that. So fla second. flash the, uh, let, let, let's move forward. Let's, let's roll the calendar to 2020. Is, is there a stigma in your opinion? Is there a stigma to, uh, people who play, do are we having to come out of the closet or is it something we can be proud of? Well, now it's something you can be proud of. In right. fact, you know, um, it is funny because those who don't play don't think it's a big deal. Um, we had talked before you said um, about uh, getting the Hall of Fame to buy into my idea of having a national experts draft there. Um, when I first brought it up 10 years ago, um, it was mostly females that worked in the events department. 
they had no idea what fantasy football was. All they knew was like, oh, that's a dumb thing my husband plays or my brother plays. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. Like, no, sweetheart, it, there's 40 million people to play. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it is a big deal. Now it's, I think, 60 or 70 60 million. 60 plus, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, again, if, if I say, do you play fantasy? And they say yes, it's an easy conversation from that point on. In fact, it's funny because then my wife rolls her eyes and goes, oh, gosh, here we go. Because she knows what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it is a big deal. I mean, like I said, uh, uh, it's it, and it gets bigger and bigger. Like I said, it's becoming international. I mean, I've got followers on Twitter, uh, and I sell my uh, fantasy consistency guide all over the world: Brazil, England, Japan, uh, Germany, Canada, Mexico. Yeah, it, it's amazing when I see that kind of stuff. And know that wow, there's somebody that far away that's you know watching games at whatever two o'clock in the morning probably to you know get their their football fix. Now whether they're an American station there, or they're just people that are just into the sport. It's it's cool that it's gotten to be that big. I got started. I want to. I think I'm. This is maybe my fifth or sixth year playing. One of my kids, my youngest, uh, when he went to college, he got into like one league, then two leagues, and up to five leagues. And I just thought this is the most ridiculous thing. I haven't told his older brother. I was worried about him. And then, gosh, about another year later, he was into two leagues. And finally, my youngest son said, Dad, you, you want to join this league uh, with me? <laughs> I said, okay. So not only that, we started a website, even started a, a podcast for two seasons just for our own league. We're still doing it. It's a dynasty mm, nice. league. But here I thought this is ridiculous. But then I started playing it, and now I love it. <laughs> so... um but get, getting back to that 60 million, why do you think it's increased in popularity over the years? I always jokingly said, if your team sucks, you can have a fantasy team. So I'm a Browns fan. I live in Northeast Ohio. So needless to say, you know, it's kind of hard to root for the team every year. But by being in fantasy leagues, then I have teams that I've, I control and I can win with. So that makes it more fun. And now I can watch a Browns game. And even if they're getting killed, as long as they're getting killed by my fantasy players, I'm perfectly fine with it. Well, so let's get into what you do. So you've got a you've got a book that you put out. Mm -hmm. You've got a website. T t tell me a little bit about that that work and how that came to fruition. So I came up with this idea in 2002 um, because my star running back on my touchdown only league that we had talked about earlier. Uh, scored 15 touchdowns. His name was Sean Alexander. He won the MVP for that year. However, he scored five touchdowns in one game, three touchdowns in another game, and two in another. So in three games, he scored two-thirds of his touchdowns. Yeah. The rest of the games, because it's touchdown only, he scored zero or, or you know, occasionally had one, one more. And so my team is the second-highest scoring team in the league. I'm 7-7. Seven and seven. I don't make the playoffs during, during the regular season. And so, you know, as a, as accountant, I'm sitting there crunching the numbers and I'm like, you know, if he would have just scored one touchdown a week for those 14 weeks, I would have won two more games, made the playoffs, won the championship. Good observation. And so I'm like, huh. And if that applies to this league, what about my other leagues I'm in? Maybe I should look into this. So just, you know, started crunching numbers using Excel. Um, and then long story short, it just, then my find out my brother-in-law can has visual basics background and can dump things into a database and we can create 
reports and forms. And you know, then that goes into a website that somebody can create the back end and I can load the data in. And I had a, a calculation for how I was putting my consistency information out there. And you know, then that led to having my own website. I mean, I wrote for a number of big sites for years, Roto Experts, Fanball, CBS, you know, all, wow. for, pra- all for practically nothing. They didn't pay you. It's just like, hey, you want exposure? Write these articles. Okay, because I wanted exposure. But probably 10 years ago, I finally decided that, you know what, I, I, I should try to make some money at this. People seem to like this concept, so let's give it a shot. So did, did the website, got it rolling. Um, uh, uh, four years ago, wrote the first book. And it, that came from, I was writing every year for magazines that were out on the shelves. Um, some of the guys that I knew in the industry said, hey, we like your stuff. Can you write one article on consistency? We'll put it in our magazine. And I said, great. So I did that. And But I kept saying to them, man, if we could take this consistency data that I have and add it to the player profiles, that would really make your magazine stand out. And, and they all loved the idea. Problem was there wasn't enough room for all that information on top of whatever they were putting. So they said, thank you, but can't do it. And I'm like, all right. So then I found out that you can self-publish on Amazon. So I created my own book and did my own player profiles with the consistency information and, you know, and then just came up with new ideas, new ways to twist the data into, you know, productive information that people could use in their drafts during the season, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, then got to this point today where, you know, I'm doing all these things and uh, the hobby has become, a part-time job. <laughs> what well, what you're describing, Bob, unwittingly, and you probably know this in business, what you just described applies with sales data, maybe a new product, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a new service. It could apply to operational and a new process. Mm-hmm. What do you do like in week three? You've got three data points. Are you looking at the past year as well? Then you got the rookie, you got the rookie like Nick Mm -hmm. Chubb from your Cleveland Browns a few years ago was a rookie that all of a sudden they trade one of their players and now he's thrust into, he's now the number one uh, running back, but you didn't have Mm -hmm. any data history. How do you factor in consistency for new, new players? Well, I don't really factor it in until they, it's kind of one of those you have to earn it. So you're way, okay, good. Okay. Got it. Um, You know, I'm not going to say just because a guy is a superstar in college that just because he gets drafted by a really good team. Now there's certainly those opportunities. Saquon Barkley a couple of years ago, Zeke Elliott, you know, superstar players becoming the focal point. You know, I always say it's, you know, the calculation is, you know, is uh, opportunity times talent equals fantasy gold. And if you have both, you're probably going to be able to become very effective as a rookie. Say that again. So it's it's opportunity times talent equals fantasy gold or fantasy points. See, I mean, you've just described a sales team or someone, you know, like (laughs) because you've got A players, B players. And Mm -hmm. again, which, by the way, that that leads us that kind of a segue. So so we we want to make sure we don't lose the people who don't play fantasy football. There there is (laughs) there there is a there is overlap between business and I mean, I do a lot of M&A work. So I bring my M&A work to, if I want to do a trade, I've got that same mindset of, of, um, when I buy a business, I don't value a business. I price it. Well, it's kind of like in fantasy football. I'm not valuing, I'm pricing 
him. Exactly. So right. one of the first questions I wanted to ask, we, we both know, uh, we both know John Garrett of what's your and, and he might mm-hmm. appreciate this question. Uh, can fantasy football boost the morale and the culture of a business or even just a department within a business? Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can get your department, your company, all working together to a common goal, you know, now you can say fantasy football, but it is, you know, it's camaraderie. It's, you know, it's, it's relieving the stress of the job. It's, you know, chatting about something other than sales numbers or hitting the figures or, you know, closing the books or whatever the case may be. It just kind of lightens up the day a little bit, you know, and whether that's in the lunchroom or just chatting by the coffee or, you know, water, water bottle or water um, station, all that stuff is great morale. Now, for those that don't play, that's fine. I get it. So find some camaraderie stuff that you do. You know, maybe this, maybe the, you know, the females don't play. So maybe they can talk about, uh, you know, sewing or, you know, um, drinking wine. I don't know. <laughs> something that brings them together. Anytime you can bring a company together uh, with something other than work and still make them, you know, I think that's always a plus. It's always a positive. I already know the answer to this one. This is kind of a softball question, but fantasy football is like sabermetrics. I mean, it, you've got this sabermetric mindset environment in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Does that make us better at dealing and understanding data in the workplace? I don't know how it doesn't. Um, anytime that you can, you know, I, there's nothing I love more than analyzing any data. I, interesting you bring it up we're in the company i work for is in the middle of buying another company and so i'm looking at the trends analyzing you know dividing things out you know looking at uh, you know all the stuff that could be important to make sure that we're not missing a red flag that might be you know the the reason we do or don't buy this company so i think anytime you know any of that stuff is all very helpful you know to to just keep our mind sharp you know, that may be outside of the business world, but also keeps it sharp for when you do need it in the business world because you're using it to for fantasy information or analyzing fantasy data. Again, I, I mentioned John Garrett a few minutes ago. I have no idea if he plays fantasy football. If he did, yeah. <laughs> I can hear this joke right now. It's like, I know, I know people who spend more time figuring out who they're going to draft than they do the CFO they're going to be hiring or the controller <laughs> or the, the chief operating officer. But is do you also see maybe a connection between drafting versus hiring? I, I mean, there's certainly similarities there. I mean, um, anytime you're going to hire somebody, you want to get the best value for the company. And, you know, in this sense, the value is you're getting a person with either a lot of talent or a lot of experience, but maybe they don't have the experience. They have the work ethic that will help them grow and you can get them at a lesser price. Same thing with fantasy football. If you can get a guy in the 10th round that ends up being your starting tight end and, 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 you know, is top five tight end for your team for the year, that's great value. That's no different than hiring a person that maybe they don't have the experience, but you see something in them, their ethics, their, the way they answer the questions, the way they look at a process, um, that's where you can find that value. It's exactly the same. Bob, I'm amazed at draft time. I mean, draft time is usually in August. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. right. there may be some people that do it in July, but I've always been exposed to 
August. It's a big deal. I mean, you get all these sites, ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, uh, Fantasy Pros, and so on. Right. You mentioned a few that oh, article after article about who to draft, who to draft. And then you've got publications, yours, mm-hmm. and people are spending money on this. But yet when it comes to having to hire some, you know, some positions, no, I don't want to spend money on a recruiter. I hate right. having to spend all this money on Indeed. Right. It's like, but yet in the fantasy world, <laughs> look at what the people, the, the players in, in fantasy football are doing. I think actually people who need to hire people could learn something from fantasy footballers. Yeah, but, it's all about preparation, right? And no matter whether you're hiring a new person or buying another company or whatever the case may be, you have to prepare and make sure that you've looked at all the data to make the right choice for where you're going with, with that decision. Um, and it's no different in fantasy football. And who am I going to start this week? Am I going to start this guy? Well, he's not that great of a player, but man, he's got a great matchup because that defense is terrible. Or am I, or am I starting the better player, but he's playing on the road against a tough defense. Maybe the weather's bad. There's all the factors. It's no different than hiring a person, making a, a business decision, uh, a buy sell. You know, am I going to buy this a piece of equipment? What's going to be my return on investment? I mean, we all know these things. That's no different than a return on investment of the of your fantasy players. Again, we were talking about your consistency rankings and ratings earlier, and I'm anxious to get your take, your perspective on this. You and I have worked for CEOs over the years where. We've had a good month, so that's a signal. Uh, we had a bad month, that's a signal. So it's like we work with leaders, marketing people, where every big number is a signal. So signals versus noise, that applies in fantasy <laughs> football. You're smiling. I love it. It applies in fantasy football. It applies in business. Talk, talk signals versus noise for a minute. To me, the signals is the consistency. You know, signals are patterns of or trends of things that you see that will help you make the right choices um, where the noise is the inconsistency of, wow, we see something really big here, but then the next time this person kind of has a really low month and doesn't seem as motivated. And, you know, so whether it's the sales department or whatever the case may be, you want that consistent top player or, you know, salesperson to, you know, be there for you every month, you know, having a person that has a big month and says, well, I don't even need to work next month because I basically earned two months of commissions. So they take the next month off. I mean, that is not going to help your business. That's not going to keep you going in the right directions. Then customers start to go, Hey, what happened to Bill? I mean, last month he was all over me. I gave him a big sale and now I haven't heard from him for 90 days. No different. I mean, so that's where I think it's the Signals is consistency, noise is inconsistency. That's my thought. Some people do not remember the term from economics, the endowment effect. So I'm going to use a different term that I think everyone could pick up on or get. The investment bias, the investment bias. So you and I have worked for bosses where we've invested, spent a lot of money into something and we won't walk away from it. It's like, oh, I got to get my money back. It'll never happen. So do do you see investment bias even you you've, you've drafted a player do do you see that happening and that that's hard to deal with isn't it Absolutely I'll give you a perfect example this year Ezekiel Elliott Oh my goodness uh-huh Um if you have him in any league everybody out there who's listening who has him in a league they know what I'm talking about uh, when Dak Prescott went down you know it's 
<laughs> the investment's dead. You can't trade him. Nobody wants to give you anything for him. And he's one that, you know, now he's, I won't say he's faking an injury, but he's certainly uh, pretending he's hurt all of a sudden. And, you know, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, you invest this top four draft pick on Zeke. You know, he wasn't playing super great, but he was, you know, putting up the numbers we're used to consistency wise. And then all of a sudden Dak gets hurt. And now all of a sudden they can't run the ball. They can't do anything. You know, Andy Dalton's their quarterback. Things aren't happening. Then he get you know, and then he's out for a while. They've got rookies. It's, it's just a mess, but your investment is dead because you can't get what you would normally get for a Zeke. If you try to trade him, you don't want to drop him. Should I start him? Maybe we'll go back to normal this week. I mean, it's just a very, very tough decision and the business world, same thing. You know, you bought a piece of equipment you thought was going to be productive. You all of a sudden, maybe one of your top customers decide I'm going to buy this overseas now. So now you've got this piece of equipment. You don't know what to do with it. Um, you, you know, you, you could sell it, but you're probably going to get pennies on the dollar are you going to keep it? Can you find some new customers to make product on that? So yeah, it's it's definitely a investment bias. I'm in what's called a dynasty league. So I think everyone in fantasy knows what that that is. Some people call them keeper leagues, right. but I'm in a di- And I actually like that format because it makes me feel like, okay, I'm like a general manager and who wouldn't right. want to be a general manager in major league baseball or, or football or basketball. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing about fantasy football is you've got to keep one eyeball on the current, you got to keep one eyeball on the future. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to chat about and looking at the correlation, the similarities, we do the same thing in business, right? You can't right. just, you can't always just be looking at the future. You can't always just be looking at the present. You have to have eyeballs on both, right? Absolutely. I mean, and that's where everybody in the organization needs to have that mindset. And that's sometimes the more difficult part is, Certain people will be focused on the future sales department, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm focused on the future. You know, I, I, I got to get future sales and that's great, but there's also customers that keep your business running, keep the consistency of that, that cash flow, the consistency of that sales, sales numbers. Um, you know, you can't forget about them too. So you, you can't, like you said, you have to have an eye on both. Um, same way with manufacturing, same way, same way with even accounting departments, you know, um, can we be more efficient? You know, what we do now, just because we've done it this way for 10 years, is it the most efficient way to do it? It's very difficult, especially in the accounting world, because they don't like to change things. I know I you know, went into companies and you know, they have filing cabinets upon filing cabinets. And I'm like, nope, nope, we're going to scan things, guys. It's, you know, everything's going to be PDF. These cabinets going to go away in three years. <laughs> I don't, it's, there's no reason for it. Um, it's that kind of stuff, you know, so you know, it, it's not a major effect on the business, but it's one of those things you get people in a more technical mind frame or, or more future looking f- time frame. It certainly helps them uh, be more efficient. And now they got more time to do some other things that maybe they didn't in the past. So when we were getting connected, I saw you, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and I saw volunteer at NFL Hall of Fame. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's cool. And you mentioned you're, you live in the Canton, Ohio uh, mm-hmm. area. What's some of the volunteer work you've done for them over the years? So I've been on the transportation committee for 30 years, um, started in 1990. And every year, um, you know, now the last probably 10 years, I've had my own enshrinee that I'm in charge of. So last few years have been in, you know, Kurt Warner, Brian Dawkins, uh, Champ Bailey. What does that Um, mean? What does that mean when you're in charge of it? So basically, I am their personal chauffeur, um, uh, assistant, whatever you want to call it, from the moment they get off the plane to the moment they get back on the plane. 
And so for five straight days, Wednesday through Monday, I take care of them and their spouse from, you know, if they have some kids maybe, but most of the time I'm focused on that, on that guy. Uh, so I had Champ Bailey, last, well, not this past year, because obviously we didn't have it, but uh, two years ago I had Champ Bailey, you know, and, you know, they're just, you know, it's just, I've always been a football fan and, you know, living in Canton certainly makes it that much easier. So uh, to be able to meet some of my, you know, idols like Kurt Warner. and I'm a and fan, Dawkins, huge fan of yeah. Warner fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then just hearing the stories, I mean, that's the stuff, um, you know, some of the old guys sitting around, I remember Deacon Jones and, um, you know, these guys sitting around talking trash at each other about, oh, you know, I used to slap your head around and, you know, you didn't know what you were doing. And, you know, it's just hilarious. And and to listen to stories from these guys that you, know, you ask them the question. I mean, one of my favorite things was um, we view bank was just sitting in a room and I walked in. I, w- I don't know what I was doing in that room. I walked in just looking for somebody. He's sitting there by himself. I walked over and introduced myself, you know, thanked him for coming into town. And and I said, you know, we've I've always wondered about the guarantee, the Joe Namath guarantee. Um, you know, what what made Joe say that? I mean, it seemed like it was kind of off the, you know, off the cuff kind of thing. He goes, no, he goes, actually, our offensive coordinator said that the day before after practice to the offensive, you know, the team, the offense and said, you know, if we can execute like we have in practice, I guarantee you we're going to we're going to beat the Colts. Joe was just say what he said. Now, he didn't say the offense coordinator said it. He just said it because, you know, he was just trying to make a point. But it became, you know, it, was, it wasn't Joe's thing. And that's what a lot of people probably don't realize. So, you know, hearing those stories um, really makes it the cool part of 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 all of that. You know, um, it's it's fun. It's hard work. You know, it's 6, 7 a.m. to. Yeah, uh, I've I went 24 hours straight before when, you know, they have their big parties afterwards and you're up, you know, getting everybody back to the hotels. And but, you know, it's uh, it's you know, we have like 5000 volunteers every year help with the Hall of Fame. It's a, it's a huge volunteer thing. And for Little Canton, Ohio, it is, you know, it, it's our bread and butter every year and we look forward to it. And and, and so, yeah, so I've been a volunteer and thinking about maybe retiring from it because i'm getting a little don't, bit older but no uh, no 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 you can't <laughs> but i probably won't i won't i probably won't i'll, I'll if you ever need to take a, a year off i'll i'll okay. come and fill in hey for you want to come and help we're always looking for drivers so. your tedx talk you've had a chance to maybe think about this i'm talking the tedx talk that would be at your local community college it might take eight nine ten minutes mm-hmm. i would love to know because you've got several different angles or paths that you could go mm. about this. I want to know, Bob Long, your TEDx talk. I would say, and I did this a number of years ago, and I would love to do it again. And I kind of just did it for an accounting group. Um, but I talked about the importance of consistency in life. Um, not just fantasy football, but um, business, uh, parenting, um, you know, whatever you wanted to use it as and how important it is to be consistent in everything you do. Um, because it's not just, you know, yeah, fantasy football, I can prove that, you know, it can win and it's successful. But, you know, when you hear about family problems, it's usually consistency of parenting, you know, they're divorced or, you know, one isn't in town all the time. And, and so, 
you know, and, and in business, you know how important. I mean, I helped lead two companies to ISO 9000 certification. Well, what's ISO 9000? It's basically, you know, documenting a consistent right. operating and manufacturing or service system uh, in your business. It's all about the consistency, doing the same thing every time, um, you know, and make sure you're checking for accuracy and quality. Um, so that would be my TED Talk is, you know, how we could utilize consistency in everything that we do and make it more of a priority. Some of your favorite books, either books that have meant a lot to you in your career early on, books you just love reading, or books that you also recommend to others. Well, of course, I would uh, be uh, remiss not to say that everybody needs to go out and buy your What's And by John Garrett. Agree. Um, because it, for this reason, not because, well, my name actually isn't in it, but it does have fantasy football on the cover. I saw that. Um, but because it's so important for people in the business world to read it and give it to their boss to read and let them understand that it's okay if Susie and Sally talk about how they love, you know, crocheting for five or 10 minutes a day. It's, it's not a waste of time. You're not losing productivity. You're, you're, you're creating camaraderie. And, and so I, I think John's book really is so important for people in the business world to to get a hold of and read and pass along because it is so important um, to not um, look down on people just because they do something outside of work and they're not dedicated to work 24 seven. It's so important. So yeah, I, I, I love John's book and you know, I was proud to be a part of it. It I was going to say your and your and I hope it's okay for me to bring this up. Sure. Right. Uh, your and working for a CPA firm brought in probably over a hundred thousand dollars of new business mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of your fantasy football uh, expertise and interests. It brought yeah. in clients. I mean, it just yeah. you never know, yeah. right? No, yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, and and I was already going to lunch with bankers and you know chatting with them about their customers and where we could help their accounting firm, but then. You know, it just started that I'd say, hey, do you play fantasy football? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been playing for years. Yeah. Do you play? Well, yeah, I I play and I actually write my own book. <laughs> and then it's like, wait, what? You know, so then it becomes a bigger deal. And all of a sudden, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's something that they remember about you. And so then now when, you know, one of their customers says, you know, hey, I, I need a I need an accounting firm to help do this stuff to kind of get things ready for this bank loan. You know, anybody you can recommend? Oh yeah. Yeah. I just had lunch with Bob yesterday. He's right. Oh, by the way, do you play fantasy football? Cause he does too. And you, you guys would get it off and <laughs> hit it off. So uh, make sure you do that. So, yeah. So it's kind of a, it was just always building, but uh, it was still, still frowned upon. I mean, it was still not something that the, the partners, you know, thought it was cool to talk about all the time. And, you know, but, you know, when people are walking to my office, go, Hey, Bob, I got, I got, I get, I got to start these guys this week. Who would you pick? <laughs> what do we do? Tell them no. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I, I, you know, I get it. I'm not the owner, so I don't know, but you know, I think John's book, like I said, is so perfect in the way it describes to business owners and supervisors like, Hey, you know, don't look down on that. Look at that as a positive and, and embrace that, you know? Maybe once a week, have a day where you bring in, everybody brings in, you know, something that they are into, whether it's a book or woodworking or making, you know, something or crocheting, whatever. Just, you know, share that talent because 
I think it's cool when you know what other people can do and they may be able to help you. You know, this guy may be a guy that works on cars. Oh, hey, you know what? I got, you know, I used to be the computer guy too. You know, everybody like, oh, oh, do you fix computers? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I kind of have a decent idea. Oh, could you go over? Because my kids, I think, have destroyed my my laptop because they were looking at something and it clicked on the wrong thing. And, you know, and I'd come over and clean it up, wipe it out, get it back to normal. Oh, thank you so much. You know, and then at some point they're going to help me. So, you know, maybe they know plumbing or know how to fix a light. Oh, that's not me. So, yeah, I mean, I think it all works out in the end for, for people. In the show notes, we're going to link your name to your LinkedIn profile. I hope that's okay. For, the, for those who do play fantasy football, uh, share that site. What's the, What's the uh, URL? So I actually have two LinkedIn's. Oh, you have two? I have, I have a CPA LinkedIn and I have a fantasy football LinkedIn. Oh, ah, okay. So. Okay. We'll, we'll do both. You can, you can do both. Um, the uh, website where all of the consistency data is found is bigguyfantasysports.com. Uh, and you can go there. And, um, you know, the season's wet wrapping up. Um, but you can hit me up. I'm also on Twitter and, and my Twitter is all fantasy football. So it's at Bob underscore Lung. Because somebody has at Bob Lung in England and they raise pigeons. There we go. I, and they have three followers and I couldn't figure out how to get it away from them. So, three. so yeah, so it's Bob underscore Lung. But um, so, yeah, come, you know, anybody have any questions, be f- happy to answer them. I mean, that's one, I, one thing I love doing is helping others. And at the end of the year, getting that email or that message on Twitter that says, hey, Bob, you know, thank you so much. Man, I've been struggling for years with my teams and I bought your book and I used your, your, your guide and, you know, I made the playoffs and won this year. I made the playoffs and I haven't done that ever. And that's always the stuff that makes it worthwhile. So you are listening to CFO Bookshelf, lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now back to your hosts, the no name CFOs, Mark and Bruce. Bruce, I know that you do not play fantasy football, and I know why. Right, right. It's, it's I want I, I want the rest of my life to stay in order. It's it's the reason I, that I should not play. Uh, the, the fact that the fact that I have a website for our league, which I have not kept up to date this year, and the fact that one of my kids and I did a podcast for two years. Does that tell you something that when Mark gets into something, we tend to go a little bit overboard? Oh yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's a cautionary tale to the uh, to the twenty seven percent of those senior executives out there that are considering need to uh, need to think what you can get yourself into. Twenty one percent. Twenty one percent. Ah, see, yeah, just it's not numbers aren't my thing today. I'll stay out of the books. Well. Fun, fun episode, and Bob, just what an incredible individual. I, I'm proud of what he does. I mean, he he's a great CFO, but his, and by the way, oh, his and. So fantasy football is his and. And by the way, do you know how I came across Bob? It was in the interview with, with John Garrett. He just mentioned him in passing, and you and I are both Colby backbinders, so my antenna went up, Bob Long, Bob Long. Taxes, taxes, fantasy football. I wrote that down as we were talking. So I looked him up in a day. Bob said, yeah, I'll be on your show. 
So anyway, that that's how this all came to fruition. But just just a great great individual, and and looking forward to keeping up to keeping up with him over the next uh, few years. Ah, I wouldn't mind having uh, you know more of these type of uh, more of these type of interviews where there's kind kind of a crossover between um, the the financial and accounting profession and um, how those things can branch out into into areas that are that are that are helpful that are fun and that can provide some and. Bruce, I'll see you next week. Mark, I'll uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Um, have a uh, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay well. Everybody out there, please practice love and empathy. And we'll see you again soon. CFOs, VBs of finance, controllers, staff accountants, financial analysts, FPNA professionals, and all other financial leaders. Thank you for listening to CFO Bookshelf. <laughs>